In the face of the current atrocities perpetrated against the Ukrainian people by the government of Russia, we want to make you all aware of an opportunity to provide free therapy to those most impacted by the war in Ukraine. The organization called It's Complicated has created a platform for therapists from all around the world to offer their services for free. Particularly if you speak Ukrainian or Russian, please consider creating a profile at itscomplicated.life slash en slash Ukraine. It's Complicated is providing a secure online platform to conduct the sessions and will match people needing support with available therapists free of charge. Please consider creating a profile to provide free therapy to those impacted by the war. Go to itscomplicated.life slash en slash Ukraine. We want to give you an update about somatic integration and processing trainings coming up. SIP-1 and SIP-2 are both approved for 21 NBCC hours, and we have big news. They are also each approved for 10 hours of approved advanced credit through MDRIA. So if you're working on your EMDR certification, SIP trainings can count towards your needed advanced training hours. We're so excited to be able to offer this to all of you. More exciting news is that we're offering SIP-1 for an Australian time zone. On July 22nd through the 24th, we will host a virtual training starting at 7 a.m. UTC plus 10. If you're in another time zone, you're welcome to attend this one as well. But we've had so many people from Australia reach out about SIP that we wanted to make it more accessible for all of you. We also have SIP-1 available in American time zones on June 23rd through the 25th, and again on October 20th through the 22nd. Go to our website for all this info and more at beyondhealingcenter.com or email us at trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com. Thanks so much. Welcome to The Evidence-Based Therapist, a podcast where we read so you don't have to. Here you'll find three therapists discussing cutting-edge research articles, explaining why and how people work together to find healing. Welcome back to The Evidence-Based Therapist, where we read so you don't have to. It is Caleb and I again. Yet again. In the studio. Another week, just Talking us. about intersubjectivity. Ugh. Nothing I'd rather be doing right now. No, and I'm going to evoke an internalized representation of you, which is to say, there is a God. There is, yeah. Yeah. My my faith may be razor sharp, thin, but uh, when I talk about inner subjectivity, I believe. There is a God. There is a God. That's right. <laughs> Between us? Oh. Mm-hmm. And within. Okay. Oh, come on. So Where you at? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Today, um, just a real fast intro into how we want listeners to connect with us. Um, we want them to go to our website beyondhealingcenter.com. Yep. Uh, there you'll find kind of links to if you're interested in retreats, mm-hmm. therapy you, retreats. That's yep. Right. If you're interested in, which we've done a couple like in the new season and they've gone swimmingly. Yeah. You just did. And so one. I did just do one. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about inner subjectivity and retreats. It is crazy. Yeah. Like unreal when you, both like your brain in therapy and your body and the ancillary 
mm. um, services. So yoga therapy, um, Reiki, massage therapy, all of that, like whoo, takes therapy to a whole new level. Yeah. Um, and the integrative capacity of these clients is just like amazing. So, mm. um, yeah. So check out the website for retreats. Um, if you're interested in that, yeah, really great experience. Yeah. Um, there's trainings. Also, yeah. Trainings on there. And there's also just general like contact. If you want to get into contact with us, yeah. um, mm. there's multiple ways to do that. Um, another way to do that, uh, is through our Patreon, which is a, uh, platform that exists to support podcast creators, content creators in their passion and in their uh, creativity. And that allows us to continue to further our craft. So to get new gear, to pay our producers, to um, do all of the things that make this podcast possible. So um, if you're interested in that, that is at patreon.com slash beyond healing center. And you will find multiple tiered options there to get involved at different levels, depending on what you're capable of doing financially. And there are multiple ways to partner. So again, that's patreon.com slash beyond healing center. Yeah. And that has some like wild stuff there. Yeah. Like recordings. The content oh, is crazy. Yeah. So like if you're, if you're going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over what we're talking about, like that place, Patreon is like, it's, take off the next it's week. It's the Cocoa Puff store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the factory. Yeah. <laughs> and you will, you will um, yeah. have the This time is of just life. one bowl, what we're serving up here. Yeah. That's a, such a good analogy. Yeah. You want to go speaking of metaphors? I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Give us, yeah. Give the listeners kind of a taste of where we are. Well, I think it starts between you and I, as all great things do, (laughs) honestly. Yeah. Um, But you know, Caleb and I um, are dear friends um, for years now, and have been doing the same thing uh, pretty much the whole time, (laughs) which is uh, kind of getting stoked on different. Uh, resort like research resources and different articles or books or podcasts or movies or really pretty much anything that is yeah. expressing an idea. Yes. And yeah. uh, coming to the other and saying, dude, check this out. Like this is what I'm, this is what I'm soaked on and mm-hmm. this is what I'm making of this. And this is what it made me think of. What do you think of this? Yeah. And that has slowly evolved into uh, all of the theory writing that we're now doing, which mm-hmm. is very interesting. And that's what we still continue to do today Mm -hmm. uh, with the various resources that we come across. And that's actually how this article was chosen. I came across it and brought it to Caleb and was just like, we got to cover this. Yeah, this This is is crazy. All of what we've been saying and all the different, you know, you look at the literature review or the bibliography at the end and it's all basically uh, different articles that we have um, read or different resources that we have referenced over the course of our friendship basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in a lot of ways, it's epic. yeah, it is an epic. Yeah. Literally is. So in that spirit, we thought that we would end our review of this article, um, in kind of the ways that we synthesize material, which is we talk about the left brain sort of articulate particulars Mm -hmm. of whatever the theory is. And this one was a lot with brain parts and a lot with um, how those brain parts are then shaped through relationship. And it was specific to the interpersonal neurobiology of inner subjectivity, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like Shore's, Alan Shore's like whole deal. Yeah. And that kind of just, just takes the 
next step of all of the research that we really review, which is like, how does this make sense to the larger theory that we're becoming more and more aware of each day? And how do we make sense of this in light of all of the material that's come before it? Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that you can do that is just through a, you know, comparative uh, meta analysis matrix where you're literally comparing word for word, idea for idea, or you can put it into symbol. Yeah. I was chuckling when you're talking about comparative analysis, because there was probably a time in my life where I would have been like, oh yes, let's do that. that. But, and I'm, I, there's still a part of me that's like, dude, so appreciate that. Yeah. I'm there. So sick. Yes. Statistical but, validity demonstrating comparisons. Yeah. Wow. But the power and the like, intuitive power like yeah you have to learn that yeah but the intuitive power of myths and storytelling yeah and images oh yeah and unfortunately in my experience of of academia it when we shift into this we're kind of drifting off it feels like in the opinion of the academy like when you start to talk about myth and story and epic it's like yeah but like where's the data yeah like a a shared virtual other that you and I both have in our head. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Where's the beef? And to me, it's from knowing the particular that you can then discover a new depth in story. Yeah. Like when you start to, you can encounter a story by itself and that's great. But then when you know more of the particular, you can go back to the story and start to see entirely new things. Yeah. Yeah. You're open to more experience of the story. Exactly. You're yeah. like, whoa, wait, let me hear that part again. Cause that now I'm like remembering more. I didn't notice that the first time that I heard the story. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever watched a film twice? And or I like multiple films, multiple <laughs> Yeah, that times. is a terrible question. Because but, I love doing exactly yeah, what we're talking about yeah, right, right that now. That first time you watch it, your brain is so caught up in it. Like my favorite movie is Tree of Life by Terrence Malick. And I, anytime I recommend that to someone, I say the first time, you're just not going to have any words. It's too beautiful of a movie mm. for you to have any idea what the heck the narrative is doing. Yeah. Like your, your sensed experience is just going to be overwhelming. Which and is so the like, intention of the of the movie and yeah. the way it was put together. Yeah. So don't even like try. Like just you have to it. watch the first time. Just watch it. Second time, then start to kind of piece together some of the stuff. But it's because your self, your your brain, has experienced it, and so it's it it doesn't have to work mm. in kind of like f like being aware that it's experiencing, and so then it can go on the next step. It's like okay, I've experienced this. And then I can add these parts that my experience of the movie last time was too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't. And then you focus on new and what emerges is a deeper story, a deeper revelation. And that's yeah. kind of, I mean, that's what you're talking about. about yeah. Story, explanation, return to story. Yeah. And I feel like we have the opportunity to do that each day uh, or each time that we connect with the various theories or the various uh, like resources that we're referencing, we know that it's all a part of the same story. And so mm -hmm. we're like, oh, dang. Yeah. This zooms into a point of the plot that we didn't have as much like attention or focus on or even ability to really see or articulate. Yeah. And so we're like, oh, dude, yes. But it's so easy to think that if you're not looking at, if you're not looking closely at the references, it's so easy to think that these abstract characters who are writing these articles are like not talking to each other they're like 
they all have their own story because they're right. quote unquote individuals. We're an yeah. individual and in society. Publishing independently. Yes. But they're all like, they know they're, they're in the same story because they're all like referencing each other and yeah. writing to each other yes. and connecting with one another and debating with one another. Yeah. Through publication. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But we don't look at science articles that way. So unfortunate. Yeah. It really is. And every time like I teach research methods, when I talk about, <laughs> I start by teaching literature review. Like that's the thing that I start with because I'm like, guys, this should tell the story that you're now beginning. Yeah. Like it, your literature review should start and, and tell a narrative through each reference that's carefully selected to where now the reader has a full understanding of the plot line that you're picking up and expanding on. Mm-hmm. You are a moment in time in the arc, like the meta narrative arc of this story. And how do you show awareness of that in each part of the paper of, of the article yeah. or whatever it is? Yeah. That to me is where the true like art of empirical research is. Yeah. Which I even love that you're saying there's an art. Because oh it's so gosh. easy to, to say there's not. Right. And I even think as like an academic realm, sometimes we even perpetuate that ourselves. We don't like to think of it artistically. We don't like to think of it conversationally. Yeah. Research wanna... is left-brained. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it it's beautiful. No. And it is storytelling in a way. And what... Yes. What we, I love that. Yeah. What we wanted to do today... Uh, and maybe I'm stealing your thunder. No, but I, we're, it, we're together, man. We're thundering together. That's right. Um, what we wanted to do today was take Alan Shore's, um, like, just super rich article and kind of review a story that we had come to mm-hmm. and that this article kind of maps right on perfectly. Yes. And the story we'll tell you is hopefully going to take this like very heady knowledge that we've talked about over three episodes now yeah, and give it a little bit of like a metaphorical foundation to stand on so that you can let your right brain kind of go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over associations for like how this, because stories are going to, they're so because they're sense-based and they're dynamic. They're going to explode in their associations in the right hemisphere. And so, and let your mind just wander with it yeah. because to me, and again, this is something I tell each of my students, like I don't want this process of doing the literature review or even of conducting your primary, um, you know, experiments for this to just be this abstract left brain comparison of variables. Like it is so alive. Yeah. Every piece of it. And even in the written components of it, it is all a part of a story. And that's really what we're talking about. And we're talking about the story of the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's really what you and I do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what like Beyond Healing Institute really is, is it's a movie theater showing the story of the brain. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I also want to take a pause to just note that like, in a way, I hope that we're conveying to the listeners kind of our non-dual stance. Mm as much as we are whole brain oriented, that's going to inform how we engage the art and the science. Like yes. we're, we're attempting to weave those in a beautiful dance. Yeah. Um, 
in sort of like, how do I experience the art of therapy? How do I make sense of the art of therapy with science? And then how does that inform more my artistic expression in the art of therapy? Yeah. And it's really easy, I think, to, to go one or the other, art or science. Yeah. And to minimize the other in favor of one. Yes. And I hope that listeners are hearing us say, like, do the not plea. leave either. Yes. Like, Rollo May, we need myth. Like, as therapists, we need myth. Like, myth is all around us. Yeah. And that's not, like, myth sometimes is connoted as, like, lies or false um, tales. False tales. Yeah. That's not what myth is, culturally. It's story. It's the story. It's fable. It's epic. It's, yeah. That are yeah. reflecting what it means to be human. Yes. In a story that is detached from you so that you can see you. Yeah. It's a mirror. Yeah. 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 Um, but then also, we do need science. Absolutely. Because science, like, informs so much yeah. of how we know what we're doing yeah. and why. Exactly. So. Yes. Um, yeah. So the title of this episode is the interpersonal neurobiology of intersubjectivity, the tale of the three selves. The tale of the three selves. Yes. That, to me, is just beautiful. Yeah. I love it so much. Okay. That's the end of the episode. Yeah, cool. Awesome. <laughs> wow, that was actually a lot shorter than I thought it'd be. So the tale of three selves actually comes, what kind of spurred it on was an early Crittenden yeah. article, which, I mean, the, the second name to this podcast is Callback to Crittenden. That's right. Um, <laughs> but in that article, she's talking a lot about memory and behavioral activation. She was mm -hmm. referencing Pongsep. She was referencing... Again, another nugget. Yeah. It's just like reflecting a lot of the same literature that yeah. we've oh, been yeah. jacked on. Yeah. 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 And uh, she was referencing Banner Colk, all these people. And it just, I don't know, it snapped. Like mm. it was like, oh, this is telling a story. Yes. Like my ego state brain, and I think this is what like made it so like we were just like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. This tracks. It's like, oh, wait, there's like in memory and the expression of memory. Yeah. There is three selves. Right. Yes, and I want to just plant this in the context of this article because if, if that's true, if in memory there exists this both detection of your internal, external experience of being and then a shaping of the literal physiology of the being mm -hmm. through those experiences and then a changed behavior afterward, and that that is the emergence of what we call the three selves, mm -hmm. then that involves everything we've basically talked about on this podcast up to now. Yeah. All of the neurobiology, all of what it means to have a, you know, reflected appraisal of another come into consciousness and actually shape behavior moving forward. Yeah. What we're doing in the story that we're going to tell is we're parsing out the dance that exists intra-personally. Yeah. Within the one self that is yeah. a human being. That is, yeah, interpersonally, like, interdependent. Yeah. Like, we're going to kind of illuminate the one self. So as a therapist, then, taking a look at, okay, so hear this story and then take the last couple of episodes hmm. and then start to think, what's the tale of three selves within my clients or even within myself? I mean, you could... All humans. Yeah, with <laughs> all humans, but like do whichever one's easier. If, yeah. If reflecting upon it in yourself may be like too much and 
think about a client and, right and or vice versa so so do you want to tell like no discussion of characters begin telling the story or do you want to because i tell it differently with mm. different clients with different yeah it it's always based on how it's introduced like i know contextually um well maybe just start with a setting yeah. so the setting is think of a pirate ship yeah like an old old it has sails it has yeah big wooden big wooden pirate ship yeah there's like a, a, you know, a boat deck and a galley. Yep. And there's also like the captain's quarters, captain's quarters, the mass in the center yeah. with the sails. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then on this pirate ship, there are many parts, but there are three selves that are of importance. Yeah. The one is the sensing self, which sits at the top of, what do you call that? The. Well, that's the lookout, like the mass. Yeah, like the top of where the sails are, that pole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like that little sitting thing up there. Crow's nest? Maybe. Something like that. I don't know. I always draw it. Yeah. So, like, they just know. I just point to this. Yeah. 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 This thing. Um, Yeah. But up there is the sensing self. He has his monocular. Yep. Um, He's looking out. He's observing. Yeah. Looking at the horizon. Yeah. Looking at the sea. Where are we going? What's coming ahead? The clouds. Is there a storm up there? Yep. Yep. How's the wa- how are the waves looking? Is there a monster below us? All right. of those things. The second self is the behaving self. So you have the sensing self. Up yeah. at the top. Up the at mass. the top. You have the behaving self, who is the one who's holding the... Um, <laughs> we're really limited in our Without language. The ability to draw. Yeah. yeah. What is that called? Like just a, a wheel? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the... I guess I feel so elementary, but like, yeah, the wheel of the ship yeah. where you turn the rotor. Yes. Um, that's where the behaving self is. So he's going to guide the direction of mm. the ship. Mm-hmm. And then the third self is what we've come to call the, um, narrating self. Yes. Who, if we were to like paint a little bit more of like a picture, he would be it's like the captain. A captain. Yeah. He'd be wearing like a captain's hat, captain garb. Right. Um, who is kind of in charge of quote unquote in charge of, uh, by title and name, um, the story of the boat, wh- whose boat is it? What is it? What's its purpose? Where is it going? What's it doing? Mm-hmm. And is really uh, sort of making new meaning of what information is known and stored in the sensing and behaving self. Mm-hmm. So based on what the crew, which is the sensing and behaving self, based on what they're doing, the captain is then giving direction and kind of vision and Commentary. guidance. Yep. Yeah, overall kind of opinions and yes felt sense of or explanations of what it was like to go this direction and to brave that storm and all those things right so just thinking neurosequentially yes this this like flow of the three selves the way we told it is neurosequential yeah so sensing you have your your hind brain where yeah brainstem yeah brainstem hind brain the integration of your senses and this is primary processes, so you can think of punks up there. You have sensory stimuli comes in and is activating homeostatic um, right. um, gauges. Right. Um, are there needs? Are there lacks? What are there? Then those integrate into behavioral activation. Shaping behavior. So now you have the emotional affects, the mm-hmm. seven, which are going to engage behavioral activation. So you have senses that communicate with your behaving self yeah 
who is guiding and directing behavior to meet that need or avoid the lack, um, any sort of like yeah. find and, homeostasis. Yeah. And can do that through six other affective circuits. Yeah. And I think of the sensing self as having, you know, the primary directive is the seeking circuit, which mm. we've talked about a little bit when we've been discussing punk stuff, like it's just looking out. It's yeah. just paying attention to orienting those, response. Yep. Those homeostatic balance points um, and looking at what do I need in order to uh, accomplish my goal here and, and meet my need? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do to, to go away from, et cetera, to meet my need? Yeah. Yeah. So then you have, you have the captain, the narrating self mm-hmm. who the behaving self, like the, the interesting thing is that we used to talk about the narrating self creates the maps, right? That was like very early on. Yes. And that was based on kind of the, the literature's kind of very broad definitions of implicit procedural memory and, and explicit memory. Right. Which we now, I just love the story that we're coming to know more of in that. Yeah. Even we've learned that that itself is based on earlier. Yeah. Contextualizations of being in time. Yeah. 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 So then we kind of learned and adapted through Perry through, um, I mean, there's so many others, but sure being sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That it's not the narrating self from this early age that is creating the maps. Yeah. The, this is like Bruce Perry, like everything is memory, right? Being is memory. Yeah. And Edtronic's work, which is there's yes. multiple levels of meaning, not just like in the explicit realms of articulation, what the left brain is capable of doing. Yeah. So then what we were actually realizing was this is the behaving self and the seeking self together. Sensing. Or the sensing, sorry. I planted that. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the behaving and the sensing self together create these maps. So yeah. when the sensing self experiences something, it'll flush into an affective right. state. <clears throat> the affective state charges a sort of behavioral activation I I turn the ship left. I avoid the storm. Yes. I reach homeostasis. Boom. I've created a map of engagement for when this storm arises. Right. Right. So what are you going to say? Well, I was just going to orient back to a little bit of the article of like why we're talking this way, because the sensing, if this is true, then that these procedural and implicit memories, which we previously thought of as being the narrative uh, selves kind of domain. Um, if it's true that that is actually based on earlier experiences of the behaving down into the limbic brain and the sensing self in the brainstem and and the hindbrain subcortical subcortical processes, and even these primary, Mm -hmm. uh, primary processes, then we have to look again at how, um, these maps are, are formed. And we need to start paying attention to how these structures are really developed over time in relationship. So, you know, you talked about how the behaving self knows how to turn the wheel, quote unquote, which is our way of of alluding to all of the behavioral activation bundles um, within the the, uh, affect circuitry, how those things get fleshed out and kind of manifest in behavior Mm -hmm. that is based on earlier and deeper uh experiences of sensing stimuli yeah and so think back to now sure of even the way that we come to know what a stimuli is 
is shaped. What is a storm? Yes. What is a cloud? What mm-hmm. is a you know a, a slightly bigger wave yeah. on the horizon? A little choppy. Yeah. What does that? What does that even mean? Yeah. That is based on earlier, you know, it's the earliest experiences. And what Shore tells us is that actually that's based in conception as the fundamental ingredients that make up the developing fetus mm-hmm. and then the experiences in utero of the synchrony that's that's occurring between the mother and that fetus. Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of stress is the mother under? What kind of conditions then does that create for the developing fetus? Yeah. And how then does that infant that's about to be born uh, come in with various uh, adaptations already in place, uh, already coming to know in the sensing self what certain stimuli means and what it doesn't mean? Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, I love that you're pointing that out. We talk elsewhere about, you know, the sensory process units in utero and there's like very rigid and uh, fine tuned um, sensory motor process units in utero. Right. But then once you're born, Mm -hmm. you have this explosion. You one time you called it, you have um, microphones all over your body now. Yeah. And so now you're hearing so much. And then you're adapting through your own manipulation of your body and learning that yeah, I'm like whoa, I my sense of move. all of these microphones, I can turn my microphones. Yeah, and then now I can feel things differently, sense things differently, and that is like important to note as like what bringing it back to shore, fundamental, and how later on you're going to experience relationships yes. and what even is dangerous. Because if early on I sense something I wasn't attuned to, it's going to require a certain behavior that is disintegrating of the mind yes. in order to find homeostasis. And so I'll, I will get off track of where I'm going, mm-hmm. where I need to be, and I will I will limit myself to a less than kind of outcome. Right. But I'll still create that map because it created homeostasis. Yeah. Like I avoided a storm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I think that that, you know, in the sensing self, you know, thinking back to its place in the crow's nest, like up at the top of the ship, like it, it had earlier experiences that taught it what these stimuli mean and what Mm. to do about them because of likely, you know, again, call back to Bruce Perry's episode, call back, uh, or sorry, uh, referring back to memories of fear mm-hmm. of, Oh dang. Like when the last time I saw a cloud that I can't remember if it looked exactly like that, but this one makes me kind of think of a cloud that really was the precursor to a really bad storm. Yeah. And so why don't I just assume that it would lead to a storm mm-hmm. and let's just change course right now. Yeah. Let's start an activation sequence that takes us away from this stimuli that although it doesn't look exactly like that cloud that led to that storm that one time, um, I just don't want to even like put myself in that space. Close enough. Yeah. Especially Similar if the outcome enough. was super dysregulating and sustained dysregulation. Yeah. That's going to make the avoidance behaviors all the more strong. Yes. Like we almost capsized and the damage that was incurred by the sail and the mass almost broke. Like it was just a terrible thing that we almost didn't recover from, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about placing this in, in kind of reality, you know, this infant experienced such rupture with the maternal figure 
the, atta- the primary attachment figure that any showing of need, let's just not do that. Yeah. Because I feel like when I, it was when I expressed my need that my mother turned away from me mm-hmm. or made me feel bad about myself for having that need. And yeah. that could have been because of something going on inside the mother that was just not related to the infant. But when the infant cried, it set something off in the mother that then the mother kind of quickly like jerked and moved, you know, kind of aggressively towards the infant to, you know, what are you crying about? Like, yeah, even though more, more sensory, right. Okay. Adding now more to that environment, that infant then is left to say, why did mom respond that way? Why is this happening? Yeah. And even in, you know, a place where, it's not necessarily the neocortical narrating self that's telling a story of why it happened. The sensing and behaving self self still have to make meaning of that experience. Yeah. There's meaning made in how the brain is going to direct energy and information. That's right. So like that, that whole sequence is like, okay, I had a need. Let's stop at that port and get some food. Right. Stopped at the port mom's like reaction to me or the caregiver's reaction to me was sensed as, um, endangering, threatening. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I might not get what I need. So the map we created is we're not going to that port. Don't stop at that port. Yeah. Don't go there. And it's, it doesn't need the narrating self to create that map. No, that map is behaviorally, uh, remembered. Yeah. And stored. Yeah. And stored. Yeah. And implicit memory, procedural memory too. So which yeah, sure. Elsewhere talks about how this, all of these implicit stored memories make up our our unconscious, which is the place from which we process the conscious, mm-hmm. like we encounter the conscious. And so, in that, as the sensing and behaving self are doing all of this work, you know, Caleb, you and I have talked about how the narrating self is like buried in maps beneath the ship. Oh yeah. While the sensing and behaving self are like carrying out the day to day. On yeah. the top of the boat. Reviewing, thinking, yeah. processing. Having all these experiences, etc. And it's as if the narrating self, the captain, only comes up every now and then to say like, okay, here's what we're going to do. What have you guys been doing up here? Yeah. No, this is what we're going to do. Like, get back in line, you know, get back to your post. This is where we're going to go. I've got new revisions to uh, the trajectory for our, for our journey. This is where we're going to go. Yeah. Not the way you guys went before because you wasted like two whole days. Mm-hmm on this trip. And I don't understand that. So we're actually going to go this way, even though the sensing behaving self, know that's taking us to the port. Yeah. That we learn not to go to. Yeah. We're not going to do that. Yeah. I imagine like those are when the captain says the shoulds. Yep. We should go there. We should go there. And like my felt experience of shoulds is like, that's like an external pressure. It feels like. Yeah. And external, like neocortical, your yes. narrating self yes. is on the outside of these deeper parts of the brain. Yes. And so that's like an outside pressure onto my sensing and behaving self. And my sensing and behaving self are going to be like, what? No. Like, no. Yeah. Like, I know I should. But like, how often when we know we should, do we like consistently hit that mark? Yeah. Like, and we do something different. Yeah. 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 And so like the, the captain comes up and says like, no, you should be looking not for the cloud, but you should be sensing the wind. Yes. Like don't look, but feel right. And the, 
the sense itself is like um do you know what clouds mean dude okay but also i don't think that's a very like accurate thing to be thinking of right but that's like that top down like you should yes you should, and i you love should. that that maps on and we were talking about this today that maps onto the way the brain was built like you said the external process the the neocortex is, if you know, looking at it, it's literally wrapping these deeper structures. Uh, it's enveloping them, yeah. and it gets its connective uh, flow of information and energy from those lower parts. That's why you know we've talked elsewhere about the processing speed of stimuli uh, in the neocortex, ten times <laughs> the speed that the sensing reptilian hindbrain yeah. is processing. Yeah. You know, it sees and feels and detects the sensory stimuli. It then communicates that to the behaving self to start orienting to that and to start actually incorporating that feedback into its response and the direction of movement. Mm -hmm. All way before the captain, the neocortex, actually becomes aware even of the stimuli. Yeah. The captain will go over to the behaving self's maps, which say, okay, when the sensing self tells me this... When this he, is what I When do. he yells it, this is what map I pull out and stuff. That We joked about the captain, like when he goes and tries to make corrections to the maps yeah. or he like crosses them out, he does so like with with uh, ink. Yeah. He's got the feather and quill like. Um, can't erase. Yeah, you can't erase <laughs> the behaving self's map. Right. You just have to make like little adjustments. Revisions over it. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes like. The behaving self can say, well, yeah, I know. I, I know this is like what you want me to do, Yeah, but it doesn't feel safe to me. And I've been there before. Yeah. And you were in your captain's corner. Right. So I'm trusting my gut. Right. And like, this. and then we've, we've talked about the concept of like a mutiny, like in pirate, mm -hmm. you know, stories or movies or whatever, you'll hear like the, the crew mutinized the captain, left him for dead. And I love that image because it's like the sensing and behaving self gets so fed up with the decontextualized, disformulated experience of the narrating captain that mm -hmm. they're like, dude, you're so out of touch with our actual place in reality that we're going to just go our own way. We're going to yeah. do what we want to do because we believe that's what keeps us safe. Yeah. Yeah. But so let's, let's turn this. Let's imagine that the sensing behaving and narrating self are in agreement mm. so there's some level of like prior attunement yeah and co-regulation yeah there's is, integration yeah call back to shore uh -huh. so the system the boat is allowed to experience more nuanced yeah. um, conditions yeah and take longer journeys because they're working together yeah and, and it, yeah, just hear like affect tolerance, all of the things we've been oh, talking yeah. about of like, that's what we're talking about. We're yeah. just narrativizing this yeah. process into story. with yeah. this story. Like take what you've heard the last three sessions or the last three podcasts and like let this kind of start to connect and yes. it'll take time. Right. But then you'll start to like get a feel for it, a hang for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're working together. So now you have the behaving self has maps that the narrating self and the behaving self are actually like working in tandem. Yeah. So then the narrating self begins to learn, Oh, there's small nuances to the paths that we should take. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to like kindly draw them in. 
and I'm gonna communicate them to you, behaving self. Like, hey, remember when that that like didn't feel that great? And like I I heard from the sensing self that that didn't feel that great. Well, hey, I'm just gonna make a note of that on this map. Right. So next time, like we used to do this, but we're gonna do this now. Right. So it's we're from s- a very honoring and inclusive or invitational yeah posture. Yeah. yeah. And then that same captain can go back down to the deck, yell up to the sensing self, hey, like, how was that? Yeah. How was, like, the behaving selves, like, ex- like direction? Yeah. And he's like, that was amazing. Yeah. That felt good. It works. Yeah. But if the behaving self only knows, like, did we equalize? Did yeah. we find equilibrium? The sensing self knows, like, deep down is this fulfilling that homeostatic need and so then the narrating self yells up to the sensing self hey like what was that like oh it's great it's exactly what we need so then he runs back up to the map he makes a little note this was perfect this is like call back to emdr like this is resourcing this is what it is like noticing like positive moments getting the narrating self to talk to the sensing self yep and then like reinforce the behavior in a way like the expression of whatever homeostatic need was there but also he can say hey next time look for this right so this is like story follows state follows story yes so like you can make sense of what has happened and that can inform then how open the sensing self is to certain things yes like hey we're about to go on a journey to context right there yeah yeah we're about to go on on a journey and it's through a very windy part of the sea. Yeah. A place so, where you previously have felt. Yeah. Danger. Yeah. Oh, what was that? Just et cetera. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah danger felt danger. Or, yeah. yeah. But Hey, this time we know it. Yeah. So don't worry about the wind as much. I really want you to focus on, do you hear seagulls? Cause that means land. And that will inform the sensing self that states like, attunement to what's happening yeah that's watching the movie the second time yeah i know like i've heard this music i've seen these like beautiful images i've sort of made sense of that but now my story is going to inform my state to now the second time watch the movie i'm going to be open to more sensory stimuli Mm -hmm. and i'm going to experience it in a different way i'm going to get a more complex map of the movie yes um it has more detail in it yes yeah 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 but that's like the beauty of when it's working well, like it's just as beautiful oh, of a gorgeous. story yeah. as when it like breaks down and the parts aren't talking to each other and they're mad at each other and there's mutiny and we're kicking members off the, off boat, the boat and yeah. like the boats just go in the wrong way and Being there's chaos. Yeah. 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 We're thinking clouds or storms and yeah. um, dolphins or sharks and like, yeah, exactly. we're all terrified and we're yeah. going the wrong places and landing at bad ports or shipwrecked like yeah because among we, the rocks whatever yeah. we didn't pay attention we didn't know yeah yeah we weren't working together yeah and this is all our way of just sort of again making into story what is like the life of every patient every client we see yeah is there there's something going on in the lack of interconnectivity between the selves between the sensing and behaving and narrating self. Yeah. And what we're seeking to do is, is engage the mechanisms by which those selves were formed in the first place. 
This is short. This is what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. And bring into a like greater awareness of one another and then alignment and integration with each other. Yeah. As one uh, homeostatic organism. That's that's the process of psychotherapy, and that happens through synchronization. Mm-hmm. You know, those parts have to be shown the ways in which they can connect. Yeah, you can't just yell at the narrating self to get their act together yeah. and get the sensing and behaving self on board. Nor can you just rip out one of them, the behaving self or the sensing self, and say, you know, no, this stimuli means this. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, we can't do that. We are invitational creatures. Mm-hmm. We respond to invitation or oppression or whatever. Yeah. Which like, okay. So I love that you went intersubjective there. Yeah. Because like I, and we joked about this, I think on the last podcast of like, it would be absurd to start to talk to an infant and dismiss whatever they're feeling is yeah. like, dysregulating yeah don't worry the dog is like behind the fence yeah yeah it's not gonna get you it's not gonna get you you're safe yeah like Like, don't you know that we would laugh at that yeah but through the non-linearity of what it is to be human and all of us having these infantile experiences that are invading our present moment Mm. like we like we have to we we scoff at that as adults like what, what do you mean? Like, of course I can just tell them like the dogs behind the fence and they'll get better, but sometimes they don't get better. Right. Like that's, that's kind of our critique of that is that that doesn't always work. Right. And so like I have to speak quote unquote through proto conversation to the individual's sensing self to engage and, and, and let them know like I'm here in this storm with you. Or I'm in this place that feels like a storm to let you know that this isn't a storm. Yeah. And that will cue a different set of um, actions from the behaving self, which then brings about later on a difference, a different marking on the map that the behaving self uses from the narrating self. Yeah. And like it, it comes from the bottom up. Sitting with experience changes behavior Mm. and changing behavior will change the story that we tell ourselves, but it, it, you can't like this. I have this so much with clients where I'll just say like, let's sit Mm. in the experience. Like, let's not run. Let's not go somewhere. Like, let's be here. Yeah. And it's sort of this reaction of like, what good does that do? And it's like, trust me. And then we sit in the experience and then eventually their nervous system, as we're attuning mm-hmm. and right brain, right brain syn- synchronization, their, their nervous system naturally kind of desensitizes. They start to notice feelings of calmness. Yeah. And then they start to integrate like more kind of just explicit thoughts of like, I feel okay. I feel fine. I'm noticing these things. And then they come up with like this serendipitous new part of the story yeah. that they're sensing their, their integration of the memory of the sensing self. Yeah. Reorganizing experience yeah, had fragmented. Yeah. And it's like, Oh yeah, this also happened. And that oh, I also forgot. Yeah. yeah. And well, I, yeah, I know, you know, there's this other part of this and 
the story complexifies, yeah. which then shifts the behavior they feel like they need to use. And then that shifts the story they tell themselves. Like it all comes from, can I match and express synchronization with you that engages your sensing self? Right. And if I can do that, then I, I trust that the rest of the ship will kind of get new information and eventually follow suit. Will require new behaviors because we're getting new sensations. Yeah. This is like the corrective experience. We'll make new stories because we're doing new behaviors because we're sensing new experiences. Like mm-hmm. it'll change the whole sea. Yeah. <laughs> but it 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 can't just be my narrating self talking to your narrating self, hoping that he tells the rest of the ship what to do. Yeah, it's not just a captain's conference. No, no, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, here's how you the get, port, like, get your like crew. Pirates of the Caribbean exactly. where they have the the meeting at yes. that one place. Here's how you get your crew in line, you know, and this is what we're going for. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not not effective. And funny enough, like, Pirates of the Caribbean actually shows that because, like, the yeah, crew they is all just, like, start fighting. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is how we're actually going to do it. So I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, but that's the that. It must be from a whole brain perspective. You know, you said that at the top of the episode, like it must be from a, no, we recognize that all of you need each other and that you're a part of the same crew. Mm -hmm. And so what we're going to do instead is to partner with in an invitation to dance, like mirror each other and synchronize with each other, um, part to part. Yeah. Sensing, behaving, narrating to sensing, behaving, narrating. And we're going to then learn together over time what it's like to reorganize experience for the purpose of, you know, increasing connectivity, increasing self-awareness and understanding, increasing insight, increasing uh, self-compassion and empathy and letting your behavior then reflect that and begin to chart a course towards the actual like waters you want to be in. Yeah. (laughs) Like where you actually want to be, where is the abundance of food and of, uh, connection with others and all of the right things that you're actually looking for in your life. That comes from interbrain connectivity. Mm. Yeah. So there's, there's the story and listeners should, um, hopefully be kind of getting like the image of it and yeah. the picture of it starting to see that, I mean, we're integrating brain neurobiology. We're integrating, um, behavioral sort of learning theory and how the maps are created. We start to get to this interesting disintegration of mind where you can have, you can have mutiny on the ship. Yes. You can have, um, incongruence intrapsychically. You can have like all of this kind of tension and oh, and it's dependent upon the sea and the experience, the felt sense of where we are and where we're going. Mm. And, Um, there's so much there. Yes. Well, and that's where maybe just once more to help the listeners like really integrate the story going, you know, kind of bottom up and discussing the processes of the various selves. Um, and all of this is with the asterisks of this is experience dependent and learned through relationship. This is how this happens. Yeah. 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 If you're applying this to a client, like ask yourself, like what, like, where does this show up? This present behavioral like manifestation 
show up in the past? And then like, what's the sensory stimuli that, that, that it tells responding. the yes. system it needs to go that way? Yes, because it always has something. And then don't forget about shame that is lurking around the corner that that captain might be breeding on, on the ship yeah. of like saying, you all should be doing better. Right. You sh- we shouldn't be shipwrecked. We shouldn't be, you name it. And like notice that in the client too. Yes. If there's that incongruence or if the narrating itself is just like, I'm and, tapped. Yeah. And to know that that was a reflected, you know, going back, discovering the present and the past like that was reflected to the self. Mm-hmm. Shame is not, uh, you know, it, it's not a, um, this is a callback to bound to feel bad about oneself, but, uh, an earlier episode, but shame is not going to be there without social utility. Yeah. It's doing something. The captain is talking that way to the rest of the selves, uh, for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's because it's going to shape behavior to increase social adaptability. And, and to maintain social homeostasis. So it it always makes sense. Mm. That's the story of the three cells. Like it always makes sense when you look at time and you consider the reason why structures shape and change the way they do yeah. in experience dependent fashion. And that the sensing self is the first. It's the detection you know, hub. Yeah. And it's going to have the interoceptive internal and the exteroceptive external uh, first look, first mm-hmm. perception, first perspective, and then everything else follows. Yeah. So the memories that that self makes start to shape the narrative in a completely different direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I even like, I even sometimes I'll introduce like sometimes when the new captain like shows up like like fully decked out in the garb in like i don't know like teenage years like or late late childhood early adolescence and they start getting some just like full-on executive thinking like yeah like tertiary processes yeah we get so enamored with his like ability well his ability but also like how nice he looks oh yeah yeah and it could be like the most rainy stormy day but he's nice in his captain's corner and so it's kind of it's kind of like ah yeah this is this is nice i i prioritize him or her or they but an infant kind of does that same thing with the introduction of the behaving self yeah like you're telling me i can move this ship yeah. Like I'm going to start moving it and it's not even going to be because I have a homeostatic disequilibrium I'm just gonna do from it. the sensing self. I'm just right. going to do it. Yeah. I'm just going to, I like this guy. He's new. Yeah. I'm going to feel it out and we're going to kind of see what this ship see is made goes. about. And then like the partnership between the seeking and or the sensing and behaving self is, is really functional. Yeah. Like I have a need and I can just go Yeah. and do it. Okay. Or I have like a desire an interest, a curiosity. Yeah. I oh, love that. Dang. Like yeah. I can just go do it. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yes. But there's like that with each new introduction and the sensing self being there from the beginning. I mean, unfortunately, like, well, maybe the irony is that we, we, when we return to the sensing self, we realize it's true beauty. Oh my gosh. And to get enamored with that again is like almost like a, a rebirth Who of the sensing. That? Uh, to be is to feel. Hmm. Oh, there's a poet. 
It's Ooh. just like tickling my brain right now. But to be like, to be human is to feel. Yeah. And that is always like what it comes back to me about the sensing self. It's like, mm. that is like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that we can detect our internal and external environment and actually feel being in time. Yeah. Be there. Yeah. 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 But I, I, I will sometimes use that to just kind of talk about how like, yeah, maybe you, you don't notice like that your sensing self is perceiving a lot because as a, as you prioritize your captain more and the notes he's making or they're making on the maps, like it's an, it's telling the sensing self, like, don't worry about this stuff. Yeah. Like, don't worry about the clouds. Don't worry about the rain. Don't worry about the choppy seas. Yeah. Invalidating point the A to point self. B. So what? We're going to get some holes. We're going to get some dings. Like uh -huh. the ship may barely make it. I'll be Jack Sparrow, like riding on the top as it <laughs> goes into the port. Yeah. But we made it. And that's all that matters yeah. to the narrating self. I got to where I needed to go. Yeah. And that's like the dismissive client that yeah. is just like, I'm not going to pay attention to all this. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. I got where I needed to go. Yeah. So what? My body is literally burning from the inside out. The internal chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I want, I, f I feel somewhat pulled to, um, talk about the sensing self just for a little bit because Pongsep in his article, um, and we haven't, well, we mentioned it, I think twice now about the upregulation of positive experiences and yeah. how that is just as important for, um, affect tolerance yeah. and like this sensing self's ability to like integrate in information. It, like it's not, I talk with clients of, you don't have two, um, volume knobs. It's not positive and negative. You have <laughs> right. a master volume. Yeah. And so like if you turn down the negative, you're also turning it, turning down the positive because yep. they have the same electro, um, um, electro electric kind of pulsation um, oh. through the neurons. So electromagnetic. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's it. Yeah. Um, it's late at night. Yeah, right it now. is. It is late. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, He's, he talks about, cause I've been, I've had this research kind of question in my own head Yeah. of, I wonder if there's a correlation between how often you laugh with your client hmm. and them having like the outcomes they want and having health. Because one of the things I've noticed is being at beyond like, yeah. I hear people laugh with their clients all the time. Yeah. Like people are, Mel is amazing. At it. I don't know. There's sometimes where like, I wonder if they're just laughing for like an hour and a half and then the, the person's getting better. Yeah. Cause I just hear them <laughs> laughing and I love it. But that's like spurred me on to think like, and, and I've noticed this in my own practice of like, can I get them to engage in like playful laughter? Because that's also sort of like signaling mm. to their nervous system, they can handle this upregulation because I'm here and I'm going to match that upregulation. Yeah. For me, when I hear your question, I, my mind goes first went to, uh, intuitively in my work, absolutely. And then this, there was a check in my mind that said, 
Well, actually, in my lived experience, it's when we can have the both. Yeah. When we can have the intense laughter and the intense sorrow. Yeah. Or despair. Yeah. That is when I see my clients really getting better. Yeah. The range. Yes. When we can increase that range and not just get like subtle amusement and, you know, mild distress. Yeah. But when we can really make peace and presence with intense affect. Gut laughs. Gut laughs and, and gut, gut cries. cries. Yeah. Yes. When that master volume can be turned up. Yeah. To where, nope, we've got both. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what, this is this is what it means to be human. Yeah. And I've got them. Yep. Yeah. And I would love to experience them with you. Yeah. Yeah. And and that dance right there, like turning yeah. up the volume and and in my system, like the volume's turned up and I'm going to orient them to the positive. Yeah. I'm going to laugh with them with this new turned up volume and attune to them in that, like mm-hmm. synchronize. And we're going to share that laughter and then we're going to have that moment where it's like, ha ha ha. And then we'll kind of smile and then we'll talk, start talking about something serious and then see. Yeah. Is there the resonance then with the negative end? Right. And to, to train the brain that it can tolerate that yeah. Dysregulation or upregulation of energy in the system. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, the sensing and behaving self now learning new ways of being entirely. Mm-hmm. And that, oh, wow. Yeah. This is actually better. And it's actually, you know, more, uh, it, more authentic and in alignment with what actually feels the best to us yeah and feels safe and feels you know predictable and reliable and regulated and all the things that we want in our life yeah the sensing self can can rather than just seeing like one thing and yelling fixating on it and yeah then, can see feel hear mm-hmm. and then communicate yeah and it's in that like increased volume quote unquote of see hear feel yeah all those microphones <laughs> yeah yeah that then we can do that for the cloudy day as well as the sunny day. Yeah. And can we actually embrace the sunny day? Well, this is a great day for sailing. <laughs> Wonderful. Like it's engage got some wind. That. It's good. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Um, but also can we engage the clouds yes. and the storm? Yes. And, and can we know that, you know, every, um, every stimuli has an adaptive response because there are stimuli like we're not at all advocating for. Yeah. Brace the storm. Like just run right into it. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we want our, we want our clients and ourselves to have an accurate response to a present stimuli, mm-hmm. the sensing self, uh, in coming into greater connectivity with the behaving and narrating self will start to learn when a stimuli requires a, you know, an immediate and intense reaction, but also when it doesn't require that. Yeah. When actually this is just a nice light rainstorm mm-hmm. and it's okay. And it's actually kind of joyful. Yeah. Like this is pleasant. And actually there's going to be a lot of fish that come because the rain is going to bring them to, you know, to the surface. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, expand the story because like what's the distance they're going to the next port? Yeah. What's the storm 
how long do does it look like it's gonna last right. how good is like how tuned is the behaving self like, right is this a good steer or is this like a clunky like gross motor movement we're not talking find me fine behaviors that yeah. are kind of like very socially kind of aware yeah it's very Responsive. gross yeah, yeah. Um, not gross as in like negative but gross as in like um general yeah like yeah not fine detailed yeah um the gross motor yeah the gross motor um yeah and and all of those provide context then for me as a therapist to know like you know actually i think i think you did well like you were you were out out in a bay and it started to get really crazy and actually i think i you did see like a real tornado out there in the middle of the sea yeah and you turned around yeah and your narrating self said you failed because you didn't get to the other side but honestly i kind of think my ship would have done the same thing right like i don't think you failed right and like the context of all of that like are they able to go there how's the condition of their ship like you know are they well stocked with supplies like all of those things that we talk about like how socially resources yeah, how resourced like, exactly yeah. all of that like those all matter in the story and you can kind of paint that yeah. picture a certain way so we're not just saying like every ship is equipped to go to every port often no no yeah no way yeah, yeah. just like you're not supposed to just brave every storm no you know, not every ship is equipped yeah 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 and not every team not is ready not every tale of three selves aboard a ship are working well enough to do that right well, well, i love it man yeah this is again this is like such a cool episode because and you proposed this bridger and i i love that you kind of came here um to this like what if we took a step back yeah and did for the listeners what we do so with naturally. research. Yeah. Yeah. To provide like a sort of template of like, this is how you can read and engage literature. Like I know our tagline is we read so you don't have to, but honestly we, we, we want people to read. <laughs> yes. And to engage with each other on yeah. what they've read. Yeah. And, yes. Yeah. And to be having these conversations and at least be aware of them. Yes. And one of the ways to do this is to like get with people Make a and story. Make a story. Like see the story. Discover and, the symbol because yes. it's there. Mm-hmm. You know, we are meaning making creatures. We have the ability to integrate and synthesize material at such an incredible capacity. And this, you know, this the story of the three, three selves is something that you can look at anything neurobiological and now start to have greater understanding oh my of God. the three selves. Yeah, it maps. It maps so, well. so perfectly. Yeah. Um, we are totally biased, but like that is exactly like where it came from. And so back to the tree of life analogy, like the more times you watch the story of the three selves, the more you learn. Yeah. And the more information that's told about the three selves, about the brain parts in the hindbrain, in the midbrain, and in the, the forebrain are going to inform the story, the plot, the character development of the story of the three selves. Yeah. And there may come a day that research points us to a fourth self, a fourth self, or an integration of two of the selves. I don't like a, a fusion of two of the selves. I don't know. Right. 
but we will then revisit the story, New story. and find further clarity yeah. and articulation and yeah and a window into you know the community that we're hoping to to really inspire in this podcast is you know Caleb and I talk about this pretty much every day like in some degree or fashion we're talking about the story of the three selves and how um you know how to understand it how to how to materialize it yeah. how, how to apply formulate, it yeah how to conceptualize through it and and what somebody's going through mm-hmm. and how they're there may be disintegration among the three selves or um, how there's one of the, one of the selves that's just coming up with all kinds of very interesting, um, you know, internalizations and uh, responses to the environment. Mm -hmm. Um, It's such a delicate and intimate process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So open as the right hemisphere often is. Yes. Or always. Yeah. Until it becomes threatened and then it becomes closed. But but then chaotic. <laughs> open when in an integrated state. That's right. Well, there what it a is. fun time. The We've got some closed. awesome articles coming up. Yeah. Um, but that concludes our review of Shore's Interpersonal Neurobiology of Inner Subjectivity. What a treat. What a treat. Hope you guys enjoyed. Um, again, um, join us on Patreon. Yep. Um, go to our website for kind of all important updates. Follow us on Instagram. Yep. All um, social media. Yep. And uh, big help is to also go uh, on your podcast player that you're listening to this episode right now. Yes. And like and review or leave a comment. Um, that helps us get to more listeners and to help grow the community of the evidence-based therapist. Yeah. So please just take a few a few moments and, and carry that out. Yeah. Help us get more people who craft more stories. Come on. That create beauty to the science. That's right. Yes. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode. Find us on our website at beyondhealingcenter.com slash media. Also, subscribe to our Patreon to support us at patreon.com slash beyondhealingcenter. Find all episodes on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy what you hear on these episodes and are interested in speaking with one of us at Beyond Healing Institute, we would love for you to reach out about our consultation opportunities. Of all the many things that we do, consultation is one of the things that we enjoy most. We love supporting other clinicians in conceptualizing their cases from a neurobiological and nervous system-informed perspective. We offer individual and group consultation for somatic integration and processing, as well as for EMDR therapy. Individual consultation is a great way to get personal time to reflect on your cases and how you and your work influence one another. Group consultation offers so many opportunities for learning and connection with other like-minded clinicians. Our greatest mission at Beyond Healing Institute is to offer opportunities for professional development and create a supportive community in the field of mental health. Beyond Healing Institute is excited to announce that we're moving. Okay, well, we're not moving our building, but we're moving our trainings, continuing education resources, and community events to Canvas. This will help you as a member of the community to stay in contact with other members of the Beyond Healing community.
while also providing a platform that brings consistency and convenience to all of our trainings and course offerings. Canvas is an online learning management system that will be your home base for all things beyond healing, as well as a virtual campus that will house all of our trainings and continuing education resources. We're so excited to invite you to our virtual campus on Canvas, and we hope to see you there soon.